Let's pray together. Father, we're just so thankful to you that you're in control. We're thankful to you that you're unchanging. We're thankful to you that you're faithful. God, there's so many things that that we know about you that that we don't uh, act out in our everyday lives. There's things that, that we understand about you and yet it doesn't change the way we behave. And I pray that this morning as we take a look at things we've heard before, but as we look at them again, I pray that you'd cause deep heart change to happen in our lives. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I woke up this morning early and was working the final touches and I made the mistake of thinking I'd be Mr. Health Man this morning and so for breakfast I decided to drink a V8. Oh. V8 are okay, but not at uh, 7.30 in the morning, let me tell you, all right? I feel like uh, I should get to lose 10 pounds just because I drank one of those things. And then if I ate broccoli, I should lose another five. I have a bartering system with God, but he has not seen fit to bless me in that way yet. But wouldn't that be nice if it was like a point system when it came to weight loss? If you ate V8, 10 pounds, broccoli was five. Dirt, if you just went out and ate dirt, you could just get to your goal weight, and that would be that. Some of you are saying, that's not the commitment and discipline it takes to lose weight. Well, you've obviously never had V8 at 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) I'm thankful to be with you, and I'm thankful for this church body. I really believe we're a church body that that takes seriously uh, God's Word and its challenge in our life. And I think that when we're challenged with something... Our desire is to respond, and I think that's a wonderful thing. We don't always get it right. We know that. We interact with each other enough to know that. But uh, God wants us to get this right. And so through His Spirit, I am praying that, uh, that He will touch my heart so that I can understand what it means to truly trust in God. Nehemiah, the book we're going through, is an example of a man who definitely trusted in God. He definitely put his faith in God the Father. And, and it, he did it in, in some pretty outstanding ways. And, and some of the things that, that he encountered are impressive in, in, in how he dealt with them and in the way he showed faith in God. Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, verse 4. If, you're, if you have your Bible, turn there because we're going to be there in just a second. I want to encourage you. I, I was challenged last week. Just a quick show of hands. Who takes notes um, during the, the message? Wow, that's like 10 star points. That's wonderful. I want to encourage you, not this week because you weren't prepared for it, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try hard to start taking notes inside of these meetings. I feel like uh, just from the way that the brain works, from the mind works, more than um, one way of, of when you're writing it down and you're hearing at the same time, it's an excellent way to retain more. It's an excellent way to stay on task with the speaker. Sometimes we're very dry and boring, and, and this is a way to keep yourself awake and engaged. And so I'd encourage it as we go forward. I'm going to try it next week. If you see me without a pen and paper, uh, elbow me and say, hey, you hypocrite, where's your notes? But I think, I think we'll be blessed if we uh, start to take notes and become really serious about God's Word when it's, when it's preached. Nehemiah, his foundation... His faith, his foundation of faith is in who God is. It's in the very character and nature of God is where Nehemiah places his trust. And his ability 
to, to trust in God through different circumstances and through different examples as we'll look at and as I've been already mentioned in the, the messages that have been spoken before is a direct result from His foundation being laid in the character of who God is. And for our own lives, the only way that you can continue to trust in God on a regular basis, no matter what, trust in God no matter what, is if you have laid your foundation in the character and nature of who God is. And He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is never changing. And if your foundation is not laid in God, is not laid in His character and who He is, you will waver. You will be blown over when the, when the wind comes. Well, let's read about Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. As I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven, I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my Father's house have sinned. Verse, verse 5 again. I beseech you, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. So we open Nehemiah and we hear in the first chapter, Nehemiah praying to God. And who does he, he says, you are the great and awesome God. See, Nehemiah has an understanding of who God is and the character of God. And his trust is laid in the foundation of the very nature of God. You see, he believes to his core that he is serving a good and powerful God. And therefore, he is able to trust whatever comes, which he believes comes, from that good and powerful God. Friends, in your lives, is the foundation laid in a good and powerful God or is it laid in yourself or is the foundation laid in what the world says is important? Job security, money, uh, a retirement plan, some, a good thing, something to eat, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that the world tells you you need for security, is it laid in the foundation of the character of God or is it laid in yourself? Webster says this about trust, and somehow it got cut out. I apologize. Oh, how do I know it's only good? Trust is an assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Secular definition. Amazing how close it is, huh? Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. One in which confidence is placed. Trust is a dependence on something future or contingent. A hope. Hmm. Assured reliance on the character, ability, or strength of someone. I'm telling you, if your trust is not placed in God at all times, you will waver. Remember the song, The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Was it sand already or this one went smash? All I remember is the smash part. All right, And when you're singing that as a kid, 
You know, you have no compassion for those that have built their house in the sand. And you just want to smash it. But now, when you think about it, you think about the people that have laid their foundation on sand and you deal with them on a, on a regular basis. What has happened? Smash. And yet now it's not funny. Now it's not a cute little kid song. But it is devastation. When, when the world lays its trust in the foundation of nothingness or in the foundation of self-reliance, smash. Maya, when uh, Abby and I were, were j- married and we moved to Des Moines and lived there for about a year and a half. We had Maya and then we moved back. And so Maya, uh, we lived in my, my parents' basement apartment where they actually live now. And uh, Maya would greet me every time I would come home from, from work. And I remember uh, her, her thing was to always run and to, to grab me and to greet me and it was great. But one day I uh, I came home and I had my my coat and I had my briefcase and I remember and I remember her playing on the stairs because Abby was a very inattentive mother and uh, I sat I was at the bottom of the stairs and Maya was about four steps up and I said hi Maya and Maya who if you don't remember Maya she was as spastic as Jackson was uh, up until about age three and a half so now she's a little bit more normal and uh, at that time when she was really young she decided to crouch and I was like, oh boy, and launch herself, you know, full out Olympic dive towards me. And so I dropped my briefcase, threw my jacket and caught my daughter as I'm stumbling back. You see, she had complete and total trust that her father was going to catch her when she jumped. Her trust was ill-advised at that time in me. But the truth about laying our foundation in the character and nature of God is that we with confidence can know that I have full, full confidence that when I jump, my Father will catch me. I want to tell you, or ask you, have you jumped into the arms of Jesus today? Have you made a decision to place your full confidence and trust about the most important issue in the world, your very soul, have you placed your trust into the hands of Jesus? Have you said, I reject what the world has said about where I should place my confidence and what's important? I I reject about uh, the idea that I am good enough to earn my way to salvation and earn my way to favor with God. And instead, I am trusting that the only way for salvation is you, Jesus. There is no other name under heaven which thou shalt be saved. I trust you, Jesus. If you have not done that this morning, I want you to know that there is zero chance for you to have successful existence. It may seem like you have all the pieces together maybe at times, but I want you to know you have built your house on sand and when the wind comes it will be crashing down. The only hope, the only chance that we have in this life is to cling to our foundation and that is Jesus Christ and the salvation that He gave us when He took our sin upon Himself. Nehemiah trusts in God's Word. And what I I think is so 
incredible is that Nehemiah did not live in an environment where everyone was was just gun ho about about God. And at that time, uh, Israel was scattered. They were actually um, in exile. They were actually captives underneath a, a foreign rule. And it was not like they went and had regular Bible studies together or had these great gatherings to to reassure them um, about about what was true. In fact, when when they opened the book, Ezra and Nehemiah opened the book um, when they're back in Jerusalem and they, and they just read. It sounds like they read for about six hours straight. And you just see the reason the people are so captivated because they haven't heard this forever. They they haven't heard God's word read like this in, in, in ages. And so they're all there, whoa, this is truth. And then so somehow, Nehemiah, as we understand, as you read closer, he has gotten an understanding of who God is and he has an understanding even of what God's word says. And I credit um, Matthew for this insight, just excellent insight that he included in the outlines he hands out to us to work through. Uh, that Nehemiah trusted in God's word even with the nation of Israel in chaos and, 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 and scattered. He trusted in God's prophetic word. He knew that through the prophet Jeremiah that the captivity was going to happen and after 70 years the nation would be restored. So Nehemiah, a smart guy that he is, understands that, okay, we have, uh, we've been at it here for about 70 years. God's word is true. There is going to be a time now when we move back uh, to Jerusalem, when, when Israel is called back here, and I'm going to be part of that. He trusted God's Word, and it gave him confidence to become the leader that he was. He put his faith in the one who he knew could not break a promise, and it didn't disappoint. Jeremiah 33 is maybe a verse that he read uh, as his confidence grew that God was going to be faithful. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah. The Lord says, I will also bring them back to the land that I gave to their forefathers, and they shall possess it. Jeremiah 25:11. Would someone be willing? Oh, I'm here. Never mind. Jeremiah 25:11. I didn't trust my sword drill skills, but... Here we are. 25.11 says this. This whole land will be a desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will be when 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, declares the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of Chaldeans, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, All that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. You see, Nehemiah understood God's Word and more importantly than just understanding it, he trusted in God's Word. Friends, if God's Word is not part of the foundation of your life, when the wind blows, you'll fall over. One of the great stories, and it's been touched on several times in our messages, but Nehemiah puts his trust in God as he approaches the king. He's the cupbearer, and we understand Mark did a great job and and, uh, several others of explaining what the cupbearer's role was and the place of privilege it was. But make no mistake, the cupbearer was still the servant to the king, and he didn't mess with the king. And Nehemiah here, in in Nehemiah chapter 2, we read the account that Nehemiah comes before 
the king and, and understand that this is a, a, a direct result of his obedience to trust in God is his coming before the king. He did not want to come before the king. This was not something that he thought would be fun. This was something that he knew that God was saying to do and he trusted God even though he knew his life was on the line. Nehemiah 2 verse 1 And it came about in the month Nisan, the car dealer, no, just some other. In the month Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him. And I took upon the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Very smart, you know, praise him a little, butter him up a little. I said, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tomb lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, what would you request? What would you request? And I love this part. So I prayed to the God of heaven. And then... the says, I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. I love that he pauses there uh, to pray. And it's even been touched on in the other messages. But how cool is that? That he takes the time. He understands where his confidence and his strength comes from. And he trusts in his God. And he prays. So he has to, he's asked to speak. Um, we, uh, I get to go to different schools and, and meet teachers. And we work uh, in, in the work that I do, we, we work with teachers in their retirement planning. And one of the things we do is we go up to teachers in their classroom before school and we'll just present them and just say, hey, listen, uh, my name is Benji Leverance. I work with Horace Mann. I um, wanted to, to talk with you a little bit about the benefits that we offer to educators in our retirement planning. And uh, would you have 20 minutes where I could show you the kind of work that we do? And that is, you know, that's the that's jumbled a little bit, but that's kind of the script that we have when we go door to door and we talk to different educators, just letting them know the service that we we provide. And uh, a lot of times it can be a little nerve wracking. And oftentimes you're going from a, a teacher down in this wing of the building, and you have to get to a classroom way over here on the other side, okay? And so you're basically speed walking, dodging students. Up and all of a sudden you know, you'll go up three three flights of stairs, and so by so by the time you get up on the thing you're panting and you're sweating and you're trying to hold your arms down so no one can tell how bad you're sweating, and you get to the door, and you knock on the door and something happens. It's like the perfect melding of obesity and nerves and out of breathness that come together at the same time. And I remember when I was first doing it, I was really nervous. Sometimes out would come on my mouth. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you had the ch- chance to talk, and you have to nail it. You know, this is your one shot to present them that they need this. And out of your mouth comes this, like I don't know, smoke, <laughs> choking, tightness. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin? The first time you talked to Anna, this tightness <laughs> in your throat. And I imagine that that's some of what Nehemiah is feeling. Can you relate? Because when I mess up and I look like a real idiot, all they say is, oh, no, thank you, please get away. You know, when Nehemiah messes up, the king says, no, thank you, cut his head off. (laughs) And so there is anxiousness built up in this poor guy's throat, don't you think? 
But what does he do to conquer that anxiousness? What does he do to obey in spite of the fear? He prays to his God. And he understands, listen, whew, and it's, it's in a millisecond, but it's a millisecond that is acted on and it, is, it comes as years and years of a foundation being laid in the character and nature of God so that in that millisecond, everything of the past that he has learned and worked hard to build is a foundation of who God is and the trust he can place in him. In that millisecond of God, please help me as I say this, he is able to in full confidence trust that the God of heaven is with him. That's good, right? Listen, when we walk around with that kind of power, when we walk around living that way on a regular basis, do you think we'll see things happen for the Lord's kingdom? If we could live that way? Pretty exciting. I want to give you a spiritual thermometer today to test your spiritual temperature. Is going to prayer the first thing that you do? Is going to prayer immediately and quickly your initial response to whatever life brings to you? If it is not, then you need to continue to lay your foundation in the character and nature of God. You need to continue to take the steps of building up your God-reliance and denying your self-reliance. And I'm right there with you. But if our initial response is not to go to Him in prayer, if our initial response is not to say, God, You're my strength, You're my hope, You're my everything, here we go. Then our spiritual temperature is running cold. We cannot be self-reliant. It is a killer of joy. It is a killer of spirituality. It is a killer of what God wants to do in your life to be self-reliant. And if on a regular basis we are not turning to the Lord in prayer, it is a perfect illustration that something needs to be fixed in your life. And lo and behold, the only one that can fix it is God Himself. So you have to go to prayer in Him anyways to ask for that help. You need to go in prayer so ask so that you can go in prayer. Prayer is a continual submissive display of trust in God. A continual submissive display of trust in God. Every time we pray, you think about it, every time you ask our Father, and you, every time you ask a, uh, of Him something in prayer, every time you go to Him, it's an acknowledgement, okay, I am down here and you are way up there and I'm coming to talk with you because I can't do anything about this life. I have zero hope. You are my hope. You are, are the only thing that's going to help here, God. I got nothing. I used all my best tricks and I got nothing. It is a continual act of submissiveness to the character and nature of who God is. And if we're not going there, it means there's a serious problem in our lives. And we have to address it through the Spirit's power. Nehemiah trusts God even when life gets hard. Uh, anyone here not listen to KT's message? You don't have to raise your hand. Anyone here who hasn't? Anyone who has? Let's do has. Anyone that listened to KT's message last week? Do we have a sign, hand the sign? No one was listening, apparently. Okay. All right. 
I, I just thought it was a, an excellent, excellent message. I was so encouraged uh, listening to him speak in the Spirit about how uh, there just needs to be this complete and utter dependence on God in the face of opposition. And so not to, to go into to what he said, but this, the two meld together here and overlap. And so all I'll do is acknowledge that um, everything you learned last week, pretend you just heard it again right now. Because dealing with opposition and, and, and uh, trusting when life gets hard is a mark of a true believer. It's a mark of a mature believer. That when the bottom drops out, you have somewhere to go. When the world gets crazy, you hold tight. Not to yourself, not to your self-strength, uh, but to the one who's worthy to be held on to. Life is not easy. Anyone can have a quick debate. Life is not easy. Agreement? Agreement? Okay. Life is not supposed to be easy. <laughs> that stinks. I wouldn't be drinking V8 if life was easy. Here's the crazy part. God does not seem to mind that life is not easy. In fact, He seems to use it for His glory. And He uses it to make us look more like Jesus. God is really unafraid, I've, no, I've found, to give me that which I do not want. <laughs> he is unafraid to put in our way obstacles that are too big for us to climb over and say, see, you can't. <laughs> but I can. You think about it, and we could have a testimonial time, and we probably should more often, maybe next prayer time, have a testimonial time of how God has answered prayer in our lives or how, how God has put something enormous in front of us and when life is crazy, when life is hard, and then asked us, asked us to trust Him. And He is, it's frustrating because He is just relentless. Because you, you can trust Him. and like, yep, trusted Him on that one. You know, the next thing is right there. And it is a regular, regular, regular thing that we have to be depending on God because every day brings its new trials and its new tribulations. James, thank you very much uh, for, for telling us that we're supposed to consider it all joy. Least favorite verse ever. Thank you. But it says that in James that the endurance of those trials have its perfect effect. You see, Jesus is making us trust Him so that we can look more and more like Him. He is asking for less self-reliance and more God-reliance. And I am bad at it. I, I feel like I, I do everything in my own power before I'll give God a try. Okay, yeah, I couldn't move it. God, you think you can? And that's backwards, completely backwards. It's where we go back to our foundation. It's where we go back to your foundation because you will, in the face of trials, in the face of opposition, you will naturally revert back to your foundation. Isn't that something? Your natural response will be to go back to whatever it is that you're built on. And so when I am self-reliant, the problem is because when I revert back to my foundation in the face of, of opposition, I'm reverting back to what my foundation is built on at that moment, and that's self and self-reliance. If our foundation is not laid in the character and nature of who God is, we will falter and fail every time. 
There is too much in life to face on our own. And sometimes uh, the way that we deal with things, you know, we have this obstacle and instead of like asking God to help us over it or even try to climb over it ourselves, instead we just kind of ignore that the obstacle is there. You with me? And then we have this way of kind of trying to sneak around the thing like it's not there. And the problem is, is that you're, you're dealing with life and you're going through the actions of life and in the back of your head it's like, I'm still here! You have problems! And life is miserable. Because everything's dominated by that, and you're like, why is my joy not here? Well, because you have an issue that God has asked you to face head on with His strength and His power. You are looking at it and saying, I couldn't do it. Instead of going back to God, you're saying, okay, I'll just ignore it. I'll just pretend like it's not there. There are too many things in life that are pulling at us, that are, are trying to convince us that our foundation of God is, is, is illegitimate and that, that we can do it on our own or something else will do it for us. Maybe uh, we're not so prideful to say, hey, it's, I can't do it by myself, but then we're willing to, to try other things that we think will do it for us. There are too many things in life that are pulling at us and asking us to separate ourselves from our trust in God, that if the foundation is not laid, we cannot prevail. Uh, summer camp, Coronas Bible camp, high school years, growing up there was awesome. We had a game that we played every year, the best game that we played every year. It was called Pull Apart. Has everyone ever heard of Pull Apart? The most vicious game that's it's been outlawed in 16 states. This is, let, me, let me get you excited about Pull Apart. Maybe we'll play that Wednesday night at prayer meeting and then pray. Guys versus girls, okay? And we'd play up on this stage at Cronus, and it was like wooden sliver fest up there, okay? There's like an unsand. I don't know why they couldn't take the time to sand it, but apparently... They didn't want to. It was like this material, okay? And we're, you're up on the stage, and pull apart is this. Guys, and there's probably about 30 guys in the senior camp, we would cling to one another in brotherly love and hold on tight to each other. That was great. We were told to hang on to each other for 10 minutes. Great, okay. This is bonding. This is building. The females were asked for those 10 minutes to savagely and brutally separate us <laughs> by all means necessary. And their job, this group of women, was to one by one pick us off from the pile, all right? And to take us off. If you've never had 11 high school girls pulling on you all at one time, you have not experienced pressure, okay? <laughs> And so this year, it seemed like we would either we'd come down to the last 30 seconds and we'd either lose or we'd win. But this year, we knew we were going to win. And this is the reason. My buddy, his name was Jesse, and he was at that point a, um, a junior in high school. He was the middle linebacker for his uh, high school football team. They had gone to state. As, started as a freshman, as a sophomore, became the first uh, captain in the history of the school as a sophomore uh, and so this kid was just enormous and super strong and glad to be his friend rather than his enemy. And in pull-apart, this guy was awesome, okay? 
And so this was our strategy. My buddy Donnie Williams and, and myself, we said, okay, we're going to win. All right? And so Jesse, he laid on his back and he opened his arms. And Donnie and I, we lay down next to him. We grabbed his torso and, and then he wrapped his arms around us. And then everyone else, other guys, went on, okay? <laughs> you bled a lot during this game. So one by one, people are getting picked off. You know, you hear the cries of shame and, and of, uh, of pain and slivers. And it's getting down. You know, they hear the person, one more minute! And at this point, you kind of you can look up. Usually you just buried cause, so that they don't get your ears and pull. But usually you just buried down in there. And you hear one more minute and you're thinking, yes! And then you look and you realize there's like five guys left. <laughs> at these, this pack of raging teenage girls has devoured the rest of the men. And you realize as your muscles have zero left in them that this is getting troublesome because Jesse, as strong and and as tough as he is, happens to sweat quite a bit. (laughs) And it's getting slickery, folks. All right? And so it comes down to the last minute and you look around and you're like, it's Donnie and Jesse and I. And all of a sudden, you realize you had this feeling, a sensation that you are flying. And you realize, yes, indeed, all three of us have been lifted up off the ground by these 30 girls, and they are pulling us. And I still remember the feeling against his chest and sweat. You're like, like, oh boy, oh boy. Like with nothing left, you know, in my arms, like, oh boy, I am weak. I am weak. They have won. And then I remember Jesse rearranging. And he grabs me and just goes, that's fine with it. And like, I feel like, well, at least uh, I'm not gone and hopefully I can hold my breath for the next 30 seconds. And literally the the strongest bear hug ever as this guy single-handedly holds me as the rest of these girls are trying to pull me apart. Crazy. That dude was strong. That dude was capable of holding me when I could no longer hold myself. You're going to laugh at this, but if you do not have yourself attached to Jesus, when this world comes to pull you apart, you will go. You do not have the strength to hold on. You do not have the power to stay attached. You are incapable. But there is one who is so capable. There is one who is trustworthy. There is one who is faithful. And there is one who is strong as can be. And that's Jesus. And if your foundation is laid in Jesus Christ, nothing will separate you from Him. Nothing will be able to remove you from Him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate you. Nothing. 
You know, Ben, you don't know you don't know how hard this is. You don't understand what I'm facing. Nothing can separate you from his love. God's word is a foundation builder. I keep going back to this. If your foundation is not laid in the very character and nature of God Himself, then you're in trouble. God's Word is a foundation builder. Right? If you want to restore the foundation that you once had in, in, in your Heavenly Father, you have to be in His Word. And not just reading it in an academic sense, not just, just reading it to make sure that you can tell everyone that you read it. You need to be reliant on God's Word and God's truth. And if you have not spent regular time investing in the building of your foundation and who God is through reading His Word, you will waver and fall. If you have your notebook... Go ahead and and write down these verses because we are going to trust that God's Word can rebuild our foundation this morning. And we are going to attack the lies of this world, the flesh and the devil, that say that we can do it ourselves, that that say that God is is not able to to be trustworthy. And we're going to do it through the power of His Word. We're going to do some foundation building this morning and it's going to be intense And I'm going to pray real quick and then I'm going to read about 20 verses in a row. And I'm going to ask that the Spirit of God will take His Word and just instill it into our hearts so deeply and so strongly that when the wind blows, we will cling to Him. Father, I pray that Your Word would not return void. I pray that the power of Your Spirit would be able to just instill in us Your truth as we read through these Scriptures. God, You are trustworthy. You are so uh, wonderful and good and You're unchanging. And we can place our faith and full confidence in You. If our foundation is built on anything else, it falls and falters. And so through the reading of Your Word, I pray that we would reinvest in the foundation that is You. Help us now, please, in Your name. Amen. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 91.2 I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Nahum 1.7 The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who take refuge in Him. 2 Samuel 22.31 As for God... His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. Job 13.15 Though He slay me, I will hope in Him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before Him. Psalm 7.1 O Lord my God, in You I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. Psalm 25.1 and verse 2 to You, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in You I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is tested. 
He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Psalm 22.4 And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. Psalm 37.5 Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. Psalm 56.3 and verse 4 When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Psalm 71.5 For you are my hope, O Lord. God, you are my confidence from my youth. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and verse 4. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. 1 Timothy 4.10 For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Let me read that again. This is good. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 32, 10. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Psalm 118, 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Proverbs 3, 5-8. Listen to this deep meat of the Word. Spiritual truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Father God, it's um, overwhelming to think that there is nothing that we need to fear. The truth is, God, is that You are so big and so strong and so good that it is silly for me to worry about anything. God, You are our foundation. You are our rock. You are our stronghold in times of trouble. You are our shield. You will deliver us. God, what powerful truths and promises from Your Word. Father, please help me not to lean on my own understanding. Please help me to acknowledge You every day, every moment to understand that I cannot do this without You. Oh God, we really, really need You. And I'm thankful that You've promised to be here, that You've promised never to leave us or forsake us. God, we place our faith and trust in You this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.